0: Welcome to another edition of From the Front Lines, where we discuss both the day-to-day and one-of-a-kind issues facing real estate managers. Our topic today is the asset lifecycle and technology, and I'm here with Kailash Ramesh, the management analyst at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, that we've heard so much about in recent months. Welcome, Kailash. First, can you tell us a little bit more about what goes on at the NIH and the facilities that you manage?
1: Yeah, thanks, Suzanne. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me. In the past, I've typically had to explain what NIH does from a mission standpoint, but I think most of your audience now has become familiar with NIH, and specifically Dr. Fauci, as NIH has been involved um, in addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. So NIH performs biomedical research across the country, and our role at the NIH Office of Research Facilities is to ensure that NIH staff has access to reliable space that meets their requirements. So we have several campuses across the United States with the main campus located in Bethesda, Maryland where I'm typically located in non-COVID times. The Bethesda campus can be thought of as a small city. So it's comprised of 310 acres, a 12 million uh, facility square foot, footprint. And we have dedicated NIH police department, a dedicated fire department. We have cafeterias, shops and even a barber shop on campus. So we have a really heterogeneous facility portfolio, including office space, general lab space, amenity and event space, and even several critical space types. Specifically within the critical space types, we have a number of animal holding and research areas that are regulated by the Association for Assessment and Accreditation of Laboratory Animal Care or ALAC. I know that's a pretty long regulatory body name. We have a large amount of healthcare and patient care space within our 200-bed research hospital, that of which is regulated by the Joint Commission within the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. We also have aseptic production facilities, which are highly sterile spaces used for drug production and processing. These spaces are regulated by the FDA. And our fourth critical space type, we have a number of high containment bio-life safety level three and four laboratories, which are typically used by Dr. Fauci's Um, Staff, the staff that's in his institute that are studying infectious diseases, just like COVID-19, and these laboratories are regulated by the CDC. So one interesting note here is that we have spaces um, across NIH that need to always either maintain positive or negative air pressure. So to go into that a bit more, rooms that require positive air pressure are rooms where we want to keep the inside of the room safe, and we want to keep germs outside of the room. These rooms are used to keep vulnerable patients safe and to maintain the sterile environment of drug processing spaces. Now, on the flip side, rooms that require negative air pressure are rooms where we want to keep the outside world safe from the germs that are inside the room. So these rooms would be used to keep the public safe from infected patients, and it also is used to ensure that infectious disease research does not compromise the safety of the public. So the reason I wanted to go over that is because our highly regulated heterogeneous facility portfolio and high volume of space requires us to analyze both micro and macro level situations. Sometimes we're making decisions about the entire campus. Sometimes we need to make decisions on a single building system or asset. So having said that, Maintaining comprehensive data and utilizing modern technology across all facility and asset lifecycle phases is foundational to our ability to manage NIH facilities effectively.
0: Well, wow, So considerations perhaps beyond typical facilities management. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about something that does apply across different assets, and that is the phases of the asset lifecycle. Can you define those phases and discuss them?
1: Absolutely. So let's first define the four phases of this life cycle. Now, your audience may use slightly different terminology, but I would first start this conversation with the capital planning phase where the business case is developed. So from capital planning, you move on to the next phase, which is capital project management where acquisitions take place. From capital project management, you move on to operations and maintenance where services are provided. And finally, from OM, you move into assessment where assets and spaces are either determined to be disposed of, enhanced or replaced. From assessment, you move back into capital planning to develop the business case, which is where we started. And this life cycle continues on in perpetuity for the entire real property asset portfolio.
0: So Kailash, if we were to dive deeper into each phase, what would be some key objectives?
1: Yeah, that that would be great. And let's take that same approach by starting with capital planning. So in the capital planning phase, your main objective is to harmonize the needs of the facility with the needs of the occupants. The needs of the facility are going to be established during the assessment phase using historical operations and maintenance costs, historical energy costs, the current condition of the assets, and any performance trend data from IoT sensors that you may have captured. This will tell you what assets need to be replaced, where we can save energy costs, and what assets are giving us a lot of issues. Additionally, the needs of the occupants are going to be provided by the demand organization's strategic plan, and typically by individuals outside the facilities group. At NIH, these occupant needs are identified by scientists and doctors. For a retail organization, on the other hand, this may be identified by the sales team. So once capital planning is complete, the output of this phase is a business case, which then becomes the input for the capital project and acquisitions phase. The main objective in the capital project management phase is the same as any project management objective. Deliver the project on time, on budget, and meet all scope requirements. It's pretty simple there. Although we know that capital projects can be a lot more complex than simple. Once capital project management is complete, the output is a huge amount of information about the changes that happen within the facility. So what rooms are there now? What equipment is there now? The best case scenario is for the majority of this information to be turned over as a building information model or BIM model, which then becomes the input for operations and maintenance. The main objective in operations and maintenance are maximizing asset and space utilization while prioritizing customer service above all. Operations and maintenance is a very customer focused phase and communication is absolutely critical within this phase. Now, while operations maintenance is the longest life cycle phase, it will eventually provide the output of historical operations and maintenance costs, energy costs, and those two combined become the input into your assessment phase. So now that we're in the assessment phase, our main objective here is to use this historical cost information potentially perform some additional assessments, and ultimately identify facility deficiencies. Ideally, these deficiencies are scored and or prioritized related to the level of risk each carries. And we'll talk a little bit about that risk later on in this discussion. And and you guessed it, you know, these facilities or needs are the output of the assessment phase and become one of the inputs to the capital planning phase. These facility deficiencies are synonymous with the facility needs used in the capital planning phase. So now we've come full circle and we're back at the phase that we started with, which is capital planning.
0: And Kailash, how can technology be used to manage each of these phases?
1: Yes, I think that's that's a very great question. And um, for any owner that's responsible for the entire life cycle of multiple facilities or maybe even one large complex facility, if you're in charge of the entire life cycle, An integrated workplace management system, or IWMS, is typically the best software product type to manage this flow of information. IWMS systems offer more functionality than the historical standalone computerized maintenance management systems, or CMMS, enterprise asset management, or EAM systems, um, or other computer aided facility management, or CAPM systems. The intent of an IWMS is to integrate, for lack of a better term, each of the life cycle phases um, across your portfolio. If we think back um, to the capital planning phase, um, the term workplace management is actually becoming a lot more common in the industry. So workplace management doesn't stop only at facilities, but takes a broader view to include other groups such as IT and HR. So that capital planning phase, one of the inputs that we need is occupant needs. These occupant needs typically need to be coordinated with IT and HR as their major stakeholder groups in defining those needs. So if we took an example, if the occupants provide a need for less office space due to increased telework, well, IT and HR actually need to be in the loop to ensure increased telework can be accomplished, and therefore the decrease in office space is something that we can do. Now outside of an IWMS, IWMS and integrated workplace management system, there are three other major types of technology solutions that owners can utilize. One being BIM model management tools, the second being geographical information systems or GIS systems, and the third being building automation systems or the greater realm of internet of things systems and sensor technology. So ideally, these four technologies are actually integrated across your architecture to enable that data sharing and visibility. So let's just focus on BIM, for example. This technology, in terms of the life cycle phases, could be used during capital project management by checking out an existing BIM model to your architect or engineer instead of requiring that AE to create this from scratch. The model can then be checked back in at the end of the project and can be used to turn over the wealth of information created from the project to be easily used by the operations and maintenance staff. BIM in conjunction and partnership with an IWMS can help prioritize emergency response and troubleshoot failures by providing a graphical representation of the connections between systems, assets and spaces. So for example, an accurate BIM model can clearly show whether a particular exhaust fan serves a bathroom or an infectious lab. Using that underlying information, we can program the IWMS to automatically prioritize the response to the exhaust fan serving the infectious lab as that carries a much higher criticality compared to the bathroom. The same principle can be used for prioritizing replacement of deficient assets and facilities. Now GIS systems have very similar use cases to building information modeling, although it would be better used for non-building related projects, things like campus infrastructure, transportation or utility distribution. Now let's talk about the building automation system, internet of things and sensor world. That's another very useful technology solution to be used in conjunction with these other tools. This technology is a major player in the operations maintenance and assessment lifecycle phases. Leveraging sensor technology to monitor and control building systems enables immense efficiency gains by removing the need for physical presence. Failures can be caught beforehand, adjustments can be made remotely, and the entire system performance can be monitored. Instead of performing maintenance activities on a periodic basis, which may sometimes result in too frequent or too few activities, the sensor data can identify exactly when maintenance is needed. Furthermore, instead of replacing assets based on age, which may be too early or too late, the sensor data can identify exactly when the best time to replace an asset is. So in summary, I know that's a lot to digest, but I think the big takeaway here is to start thinking in terms of the life cycle your organization has not already done so. Just creating a life cycle diagram and filling in those responsible parties within each phase for an organization is a great step to visualize this flow of information. My hope for your audience is that they can take a different perspective when managing real estate and assets and hopefully this conversation can help enable them come up, to come up with some great ideas.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks, Kailash, for all you do and for sharing a little bit about the NIH. Appreciate your time. Visit Irem.org for more knowledge to take on real estate management's most dynamic challenges. That's www.irem.org.